Hello and welcome to the Fancy Sanctuary. It is week 12. It is Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. And of course, that means an incredibly exciting slate of games. We have got the Thanksgiving Day games. We've even got a Black Friday game. And of course, we've got all the beautiful Sunday games as well. Tom and I are here to preview every single game of this week's matchup. We will talk through Redraft, Dynasty, and of course, you'll get all of Tom's DFS nuggets. Let's dive straight into it. The early Thanksgiving game, the starter before the main course. Quite an exciting matchup. I think with how Jordan Love played last week, it makes this matchup even more intriguing. Tom, is there something that you're particularly looking at to attack this week? Well, I think it's important to remember that the Chargers' defense absolutely sucks. And we kind of talked about <laughs> this last week that the Chargers had only held some incredibly bad quarterbacks to under 21 points. Every serviceable, startable quarterback had scored over that point. Jordan Love scored, I think it was 20.9 points, which kind of summed it up, really. Like, he was right on that kind of boundary of what other quarterbacks have been doing well. Um, <clears throat> but this week, I really like the Lions. I think they're a good team. They've allowed the seventh most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. So it's not an area that they've completely clamped down on opponents. I think that what the Packers will have to do well is to really get their pass catchers involved. The Lions rank 14th against wide receiver ones, 31st against wide receiver twos, 18th against wide receiver threes. So getting the likes of Jaden Reed involved, who we've seen be very productive over the last few weeks, getting the likes of Romeo Dubs involved. Christian Watson has to get going at some point. You know, he scored a touchdown last week, but he's still been one of the worst picks in fantasy football this year. Um, so I have a little bit less faith in AJ Dillon. You know, he's not somebody I've been particularly high on at any point this year. His splits with and without Aaron Jones are pretty much identical. He scored like 0.3 PPR points more when Aaron Jones hasn't been on the field. And um, they seem to actually use him less in the receiving game in games without Aaron Jones than in games with him. When Aaron Jones is playing, they both mix into that receiving role sometimes. But when Aaron Jones is out, they seem to want to use one of their additional backups for that. It'll be interesting this week because with Aaron Jones injured, with uh, the backup whose name escapes me right now, they've hit the point where they're re-signing James Robinson off the street and uh, the other running back, Patrick Taylor, is it, who was formerly with them, who never did anything. But the Lions defense, you know, they rank eighth in DVOA against a run. They rank 12th against the pass. They're not an easy defense to have your way with. And for me, this game... If I'm attacking this for the Thanksgiving slate, I'm looking at this purely from the Lions side. I think you look at David Montgomery with 192 yards and two touchdowns in his last two games. Gibbs, 26 targets in his last four, five rushing touchdowns in his last four. Amon Ra, you know, he averages 21.3 points per game. So all of those players feel really easy picks. I've talked in our Discord this week about how on Thanksgiving slates you can get a little bit weird. You can try things you wouldn't normally. And that's where I've landed on that, you know, I'll definitely have at least one line where I put both David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs in because we've seen them both be fantastically good at the same time. The Packers have struggled against the run plenty this year. You know, they allowed Jalen Warren and Najee Harris to both be top 10 running back options a couple of weeks ago. But basically everything that Detroit does well, 
the Packers struggle to def- defend against. You know, they are ranked 14th against wide receiver one, sorry, 27th against wide receiver ones, and they're ranked 25th in DVOA against tight ends. So this could be the kind of get right spot that Sam Laporta needs after two games outside the top 12. And I think if you're looking at this from the Lions side, as long as you're adding at least two pass catches to Jared Goff's stacks, I don't think you're going to go wrong. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you talking about potentially a get-right week for Sam Laporta. I want it to be true. There's this trend that when Gibbs and Montgomery have both been healthy and used extensively, Laporta's basically been the one to miss out in this offence. I'm hoping that that's just small sample size. I think that Laporta's good enough that he can produce, even with Gibbs, Montgomery, St. Brown fully firing in this offence. I think if we see it this week, maybe we need to start believing that it is a trend. On the other side of the fence, AJ Dillon, you said his splits don't change whether Aaron Jones is playing or not. That's because AJ Dillon's not very good. Like He's not very good with Aaron Jones in the lineup. He's not very good without him. The player I want to touch on, though, is Tucker Craft. Luke Musgrave's gone on IR. We know that he was the rookie that broke out and, and was looking good. I rather famously said I thought Tucker Craft was a better NFL prospect as a receiver than Luke Musgrave. That's that's perhaps not looked great through 12 weeks. But do you think there's any interest potentially in this week at 2.5K on uh, on DraftKings? Could he potentially sneak in as a, you know, a sneaky play this week? You're on mute, Tom. so yeah luke musgrave's now on ir with a lacerated kidney after he fell on the ball that's definitely a new one that i've not seen before um with Kraft, yeah it's definitely been a much slower start to the season for him you know he's had five total touches through 11 games and i think what you're kind of hoping for here with any of these tight ends in this 2,500 range, is that they're going to do enough to give you a real difference-making score compared to the guys like George Kittle on the Thanksgiving slate, like uh, you know, like Sam Laporta. And I just find it really difficult to believe that that's going to actually come to pass. So for me, I'm just not really interested in these tight ends. I think perhaps if they were maybe the second tight end on a team and you were looking to put them into flex possibly, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Josiah Deguera still out there plenty, Ben Sims out there. I think, you know, Kraft's played the most snaps of these three, playing 31% compared to Deguera's 22%, Sims 9%. But I just, I don't think it's going to be like for like, and the Lions allow the ninth lowest catch rate to opposing tight ends. So it just feels like you're really praying for a touchdown. And even then, it might not be enough to do the business. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm digging too deep into the weeds. If you are here, if you're watching live, get those questions in the comments below. We love answering all your start, sit, trade questions. Fire them in. We will answer 100% of those questions. The next matchup, the main course of this Thanksgiving slate, we have got Washington at Dallas. This feels like this could be an absolute barn burner. I feel, I'm feeling points, Tom. Are you, are you buying into this? I certainly hope we're going to see points because this is the one which, yeah, like you say, it could end up being a bit of a barn burner. There's 
plenty of reason to believe this is going to be a fun one. Um, I think, you know, you go back, and particularly this Thanksgiving slate in general feels so much better than some of the ones we've had in previous years. You know, the Lions are competitive. The, the Commanders are competitive. You know, they're a team who crops up on Thanksgiving now and again. And the Cowboys are interesting. So... The commander's defense, they rank 32nd against the pass. They rank 10th against the run. Setting this up to be more of another pass-heavy game for the Cowboys, which is something they've been leaning into over the last few weeks. They've been very pass-heavy. And on offense, they rank 10th in the passing game and 22nd in the run game. What we've kind of seen from the commanders is that they do just help generate fantasy points because they play at a fast pace. They've got a terrible defense. They've allowed seven of the last eight quarterbacks who face them to finish as a top 12 quarterback. They allow the most fantasy points to quarterbacks. Sam Howell, he's been a QB one in the last seven of his eight games. So I think there's also upside for him. Dallas struggle against rushing quarterbacks. They've allowed five different rushing quarterbacks to have 35 or more yards this season. Brian Robinson looks good. He's coming into this game with back-to-back 100-yard rushing, ga- uh, rushing games. But he's also had 15 targets. That's more than he had in the entirety of his rookie season. And if Antonio Gibson misses out, he's a true game-time decision, then I could probably talk myself into Brian Robinson. But generally, I think this is a game which is going to be more interesting through the air. I'm not sure that I'll be playing more than one Commander's pass catcher in DFS. I mean, in redraft, you know, if you need to start Jahan Dotson, you need to start Jahan Dotson. But in DFS, I think you can probably limit it to one because the Cowboys have been excellent against pass catchers all year. In DVOA, they rank fifth best against wide receiver ones, seventh best against wide receiver twos, first against wide receiver threes. The chink in their armor is tight end where they rank 22nd. So Logan Thomas, who's coming into this averaging 6.6 targets per game since week seven, feels like kind of player which would be interesting. I think Jake Ferguson's going to be very popular on the other side of the game. And that in itself will give you a, give you a little bit of leverage. On the Cowboys side of things, outside of CD Lamb, who, you know, has just ascended to the pure elite status, I think you can probably sprinkle in one more in Dak Stacks. Um, there's eight different wide receivers who scored 20-plus points against the Commanders this season. Brandon Cooks is second in target share since the bye week with 12%. Jalen Tolbert has actually out-targeted Michael Gallup since the bye week with 16-13. to 13. So I don't mind taking shots on either of those two. Gallup at a push. And then, yeah, Jake Ferguson, 22 targets in his last three. The commanders have allowed the eighth most reception, uh, receiving touchdowns, two tight ends. So there's just plenty of ways you can attack this. I think, you know, if you're looking at the three-game DFS slate, then putting Pollard in there as well as Dak and two pass catches is fine. Um, but, yeah, ultimately, it's hard to see this one letting us down, really. Yeah, I think if you're if you're looking to attack this Thanksgiving slate, and as you said, in that three-game um, lineups. I, I think this is the one that you want to be trying to get as many pieces into that lineup as you can, because as you said, some of those Cowboys players are very intriguing. I really liked Johan Dotson this week. I think that he's potentially got uh, an interesting matchup moving around that offense against, you know, potentially a, a decent Dallas defense, but I think there should be some holes still. Um, and as you said, Brian Robinson, if Antonio Gibson's out, it feels almost like he's a, a plug-and-play back-end RB1 almost just because of the pure volume he's going to get. We have got a, a question in the chat, though, 
Bronson saying trade Trevor Lawrence and Dalton Kincaid for Josh Allen. What are your thoughts? I mean, Josh Allen's definitely kicked into gear this, you know, over the last few weeks. He's been fantastic after those couple of down weeks. He definitely bounced back. Um, you know, he's had one game below 22 points in the last five. But I'm just not sure I want to give up Dalton Kincaid. I know Dawson Knox is eligible to come off IR, but they've said that he's not ready yet. And I just think what we've seen from Kincaid is real and quite valuable at the onesie position. Yeah, I, I think the value is probably about right. I think it's a pretty fair trade. I don't love it unless you've got, as you say, another tight end option, unless you're quite deep that you can afford to yeah. kind of upgrade to the star. I think I'd probably lean the T Law and, and Kincaid side unless you've got another tight end that you can kind of plug and play for replace Kincaid as such. And then moving on to the dessert, the final course of our Thanksgiving Day meal. Call it the pecan pie, the pumpkin pie, whatever you want. San Francisco at Seattle. Seattle's obviously pretty banged up. We've just before we came live, Geno Smith questionable. Looks like he's going to play, but Kenneth Walker doubtful, looking unlikely to play. Does this mean Zach Charbonnet in every single lineup you can get him? I'm not too sure about it, to be honest, because. You know, last week we saw he had, what did he have? He had 21 touches and ended up with 69 yards altogether, 47 on the ground from 15 rush attempts, and then six for 22 through the air. So it doesn't feel like the most productive spot for him. The Niners, they do allow the eighth most receptions per game to running backs. They gave up good games to Rashad White and Joe Mixon in recent weeks. They both had over 17 PPR points. But I kind of worry about what we see from Pete Carroll, you know, we've seen these kind of situations before where the lead back goes down and we're ready to just saddle up to it. And then players like DJ Dallas just mix in and just take just enough of the high value touches, those receptions, bits like that, that it just takes the edge of how good a play they are. I don't mind playing Zach Charbonnet in fantasy this week. I think I'll be starting him in my home league where my running back situation is quite a mess. Um, but yeah, in DFS, I feel like there's possibly better options. It's quite an affordable slate. You know, they price everyone down for Thanksgiving because they want all the people who don't play often to come in and actually enjoy being able to build a lineup. And I feel like there's possibly more affordable options who I'd rather play. Outside of uh, Charbonnevo, like on the Seahawks side of things, DK Metcalf had a good day. You know, it's kind of been coming we've talked about this about how many red zone targets he's had he's only had three touchdowns all year all of them have come in the red zone which isn't what we'd normally associate him with we want to see him breaking those big runs but the Niners they you know they do give up fantasy points to wide receivers they've given up decent days to plenty of wide receivers lately uh they rank 10th best against wide receiver ones in DVOA but the production's still been there at times. I think Tyler Lockett is dealing with these persistent hamstring injuries that have really been bothering him for a few weeks now and has kind of seen his fantasy production tail off a little bit. And then JSN wasn't a player I felt particularly excited to play this week. But then with Tua Hafunga being added to the injured reserve with a torn ACL, maybe that opens up the middle of the field a little bit more and we see more from... 
JSM being that outlet. If if uh, Geno Smith needs to get rid of the ball quickly, I think that's possibly going to materialize. Um, but on the other side of things, the Seahawks fail out the 14th most fantasy points to wide receivers, the 7th most to slot wide receivers, which kind of aligns more with Debo Samuel than Brandon Ayuk, who plays on the outside more, which is more of a tough matchup. The Seahawks cornerbacks are pretty decent. But Ayuk, I mean, you know, he looked fantastic last week, broke that long run, 26 fantasy points. That was his first top 20 week since week four. So it'd be nice to see him build off that. And then George Kittle, I mean, I, you know, I was wrong about George Kittle. I thought he'd struggle to be relevant when he wasn't scoring touchdowns this year, but he's proven me wrong. He's been excellent. And I think if you're looking at this Thanksgiving slate and building lineups, you have to put Christian McCaffrey in as many as possible. The Seahawks allow the sixth most fantasy points to running backs, the seventh most running back receiving yards per game. McCaffrey is at 20 points in four straight games. Like, Fading McCaffrey is an easy way to end up losing, I think. Yeah, look, I feel like, Tom, we might need to have an intervention here about the, the Debo love. We we had we had plenty of conversations in the off-season, Ayuk versus Debo, and it feels like you, you still want to, to big up Debo the guy. I get the stats, but Ayuk is just an absolute stud. He's balling right now. I think that maybe we need to have a, a further conversation and revisit this at a later time. Well, well, let's have a further conversation about Brandon Ayuk. Since week three, this, these are his fantasy finishes. Wide receiver 36, wide receiver 33, wide receiver 35, wide receiver 22, wide receiver 22, before wide receiver five last week. The Brandon Ayuk hype is deserved because he's a fantastic player, but the fantasy production doesn't justify quite the level of hype that he's been getting just- this year. All, all I hear from you there is just consistency. There was was that top top thirty six every week. Okay, you might might not have the huge boom weeks, but we know that's going to come in this offense. Okay, there's so many weapons with Christian McCaffrey eating up so much. We know that he's not going to have 30, 40 point weeks because the volume's never going to be there. But he's never disappointing you. Of those but, weeks, what's 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 he putting up in every almost every single one of his weeks? It's fifteen okay. points plus a week in week out. 9.8 PPR points, 11.6, 10.7, 15.9, 14.5. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's, there's a, a good few disappointments in there. I think that, and, uh, you know, we just got to admit, what's Debo Samuel done in that time? Oh, absolutely. No, no, I, was, I, I thought Debo Samuel would be far more productive than he's been. But I'm just saying, this week, the matchup seems to look favourable for Debo. And uh, I guess we'll see. Absolutely. But we've got some questions. Uh, Raphael saying 0.5 PPR trade. This feels like a big one. Jalen Hurts, Dalton Kincaid, Chris Olave and Saquon for CMC, Cup and Pittman. And his team would be absolutely loaded and completely <laughs> ridiculous. What are your thoughts, Tom? I'm not sure that I want to have Cup and Puka on the same team at the minute. I feel like the Cup injury issues are going to linger a little bit. I think that Puka is his most productive when Cup isn't out there. And I don't think I really want to be acquiring Cup, but otherwise, yeah. I mean, it's any trade that gets you CMC is fantastic. Michael Pittman's on target for 167 targets this year, so... Yeah, I'd be fine acquiring them, but if I can find something else instead of Cup, I'd probably do it. Yeah, I wonder if the move is to remove Cup and Pittman, because I don't think you need them. Can you do Saquon, 
Alave and Kyler, and maybe you get to keep Jen Hurts for CMC or something like that. Like, I wonder if you can kind of shrink down the trade just for Christian McCaffrey because, as you said, Cup, Puka, don't like having on team. Pittman just feels like a bit of a luxury. So I wonder if you can shrink down the trade. It, it might be a little bit better. Rory, one of our members in the chat, suggesting he, he doesn't like it when we disagree, Tom. Maybe we'll we'll just continue singing from the same hymn sheet from here on out. <laughs> Exciting times, though, Tom. We have got the first ever Black Friday game. And of course, they've rolled out the red carpet. They've got the best quarterback ever, Tim Boyle. <laughs> Mr. I threw one touchdown and 13 interceptions at UConn in college and uh, is now starting the NFL game for the Jets. This could, this can only go badly. Yeah, and I think the Dolphins are favoured by 10 in this game. And regardless of how good the Jets' defence is, it just feels like this is going to be... A miserable affair for the Jets, really. Yep. Like Zach Wilson was diabolical against the Bills. You know, he had 81 passing yards before he was benched after falling over walking onto the field. And like it was just that was the perfect last glimpse into Zach Wilson's career in the NFL. And frankly, it should have come weeks ago. But I mean, we can I can rattle off a bunch of stats about how the Jets allow the league low fantasy points to wide receivers, the eleventh fewest QB fantasy points they allow. You know, they're more of a run funnel. So perhaps this leans more towards Miami's running game. Devin Ochan is apparently questionable. I feel like it would be a bit daft to play him, given it was a reoccurrence of the issue that put him on IR. Um, and I think, you know, you can lean into what you need to lean into. Jalen Waddle, we keep saying it every week, but this week the matchup actually looks slightly better for him. He is better stats against the kind of coverage that the Jets use, cover four, cover six, rather than Tyree Kill. So if you need to start Jalen Waddle, perhaps this is a week where he actually pays off. Garrett Wilson, he was averaging eight catches for 93 yards over the last three games before Buffalo. Brees Hall, he's at over 50 rush yards once in the last five, but Miami are a pretty tough team against the run. They've allowed some fewest running back fantasy points, but they do allow the third highest yards per reception. So perhaps he gets there through pass catching work. But overall, I'm expecting an efficient Dolphins performance. I would be surprised if Tua ends up getting enough points to finish inside the top 12 quarterbacks. I think they'll just get their own efficiency and then run the game out. Yeah, I, I sadly tend to agree with everything you said. I mean, Look, the Jet, this Jets team is averaging eight points a game in the last three weeks to Zach Wilson under centre. As bad as Zach Wilson's been, Tim Boyle is going to be a massive downgrade. And I just think that I'd, I'd be shocked if the Jets put up double-digit points, let alone stay competitive in this. Um, yeah, maybe I'm just a, a down and, and depressed Jets fan yet again. A um, couple of people in the chat. NBA Rig, thanks for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, and Pat, one of our members, is asking Deontay Johnson or Jerome Ford this week. Where are you going? I quite, I quite like Deontay Johnson. I think maybe we get the dead cat bounce from the Pittsburgh offense. Um, and yeah, Jerome Ford, we saw a bit of a reduction in role last week after being positive for the two previous weeks. And it's just enough to give me a little bit of pause. Yeah, I, I think I've gone pretty close. I'd lean Jerome Ford. I just think that Denver. You know, have been better the last few weeks, but I'm very concerned 
I, yeah, I, I think I'd go forward here. I also need to know a little bit, Tom. What the hell's a dead cat bounce? I've never heard that one before. Is that a northern saying? Never heard. Yeah, well, even a dead cat bounces when you throw it on the floor. I'm, that that's a new one to me. So there you go. <laughs> if 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 you're listening and you've heard that, let me know in the comments because I reckon Tom's making that up. That's not a real fact. Saying. If you are here, though, and you are watching and you've not hit that subscribe button, we want to help you win fancy championships. We're doing it for all our members. We're doing it for people that consistently watch. You become one of those people. Hit that subscribe and you will win more fantasy titles.